Job chapter 1. Always a blessing to be in church, and uh, I don't know if it's a blessing to be up here in front of you all. Uh, it does something about the nerves a little bit, but uh, Job chapter 1, I, I know that uh, Job believed in the resurrection that was just sung about. Uh, we shall rise. He said, though, my, though the skin worms destroy this body, in my flesh shall I see God. And so he believed in that resurrection. We're going to be looking at the story, uh, just the first few verses tonight of the book of Job. And um, I've had this uh, thought uh, rattling around in my head for some time. And uh, of course, before I can preach a message, I have to preach it to myself And uh, this message tonight, I've entitled, Job, the man, sorry, (laughs) let me give it to you real quick, Job, a different kind of man, Job, a different kind of man, I'd like to apply it specifically tonight to dads, and so before I preach it to you, I'm preaching it to myself, I have preached it to myself And there's many, many things that I need to work on, many things that in my life that I have to address. And um, so it's been a real challenge to me, and I hope tonight as I preach this that it'll be a challenge to you as well. Uh, Job, a different kind of dad. Let's read uh, Job verses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then uh, I'll pray, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to preach tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we uh, look at this idea tonight of being the right kind of dads. I pray that every father, every man in here would uh, take these things and apply them to their lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd challenge us through your word tonight. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Job chapter 1 verse 1 says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. I had to look up how to say that word, and that's what it told me to say it as. There were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 7, The just man walketh in his integrity. The just man walketh in his integrity. I can't help but think of Job when you think of a man of integrity. Uh, And the Bible goes on to say in that verse then that his children are blessed after him. His children, and as you look at Job and his family, he had seven sons and three daughters, and uh, it's interesting enough, but our family had the same, seven boys, three girls, and when these sons and daughters 
were uh, killed because of Satan's attack on Job's family. At the end of the book of Job, of course, God gave those not back, but the same number. He gave him seven sons and three daughters again. Job was a very godly man. In Ezekiel 14, Ezekiel is a prophet writing from Babylon, and he says the land of Israel, the northern tribes, were so wicked, and the southern tribes, I'm sure as well, were so wicked that even if the most righteous men in the whole world lived in them, God still wouldn't spare his punishment. And he names three people. He names Noah. Of course, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah was a man who walked with God and, and so on. Noah, he also mentions Daniel. Daniel, a great man living in Babylon at the time of Ezekiel. And then he mentions Job. The land of Uz. Where was the land of Uz? There's a lot of debate about that. It seems like it was over in the area south of Moab, known as Edom. The Bible mentions the name Edom with the land of Uz in a different place in Lamentations. Job most likely lived during the time of the patriarchs. The reason that's believed is because the, the sacrifices that he makes, burnt offerings, the, those were not... He doesn't follow any of the, the Mosaic law, at least that we know of, in the book of Job. So it's believed that it was sometime before the Mosaic law, but probably during the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So Job, a different kind of man, a different kind of dad. Job was a very unique man. Job understood, evidently, I'm going to say this a lot. Job did this. And when I say that, I'm basing it on Scripture. Job was a dad who had his priorities straight. As we think about his priorities, who was first in Job's life? Obviously, it's God. The Bible says that Job was a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. So, Four descriptions are given here with Job about who he had first in his life. It was very obvious. Fathers, dads, men. As I preach to the men tonight, I hope that you ladies don't tune me out. Obviously, there's scriptural lessons for all of us to learn. Young men, God wants you to become a, a grown man, a man with a family someday. God has plans for you also, so... Don't turn, tune me out. All of this, of course, has application to all of us tonight. But, but Job had God first above all else. Secondly, then, Job had his family. The Bible talks about his family, seven sons and three daughters. And we see that, that these sons and daughters would get together and have feasts. And so it looks like they were a grown family, but... By the time that this is written, they're in their own houses and so on. There's debate about that as well. But if they were in their own families, they would have had spouses already. And so th this is a large family. And Job talks about his family here, if he's the author. But uh, regardless, it's for sure. His family, he's putting them ahead of other things uh, in the priority line. The Bible says he rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings for his family. Third, then, in this level of priorities, Job put his work. And we see that listed in verse number three. His substance was 
and it lists out all of these animals. And I tried to kind of put some dollar amount to these numbers. Uh, in, in these times, they didn't put the, the dollar amount in, in the possession of your lands that you had. It might, might say about these people that they had lands, but primarily it's in the form of their animals that they possessed. Uh, these are pastoral uh, men. They lived in the pasture land, and so they probably wouldn't have had uh, a lot of land that they specifically owned. But, they, but he was a wealthy man. The Bible says he was a great man of the East, the greatest of all the men of the East. And so he put his work at least after God and after his family. So he understood that the well-being of his family was important. Job took care of his family. Men, it's our job to take care of, financially to take care of our families. And so there's nothing wrong with that. Job, the Bible says, was a wealthy man. He had many possessions. And even in that, it might be very difficult. It is actually very difficult. Jesus said so himself. For a wealthy man to put his trust in something else other than his wealth. But Job evidently had figured that out. And he trusted in the Lord more than in his wealth. And then number four, we see his priority also extended to his community. The Bible says that he had a, a very great household. The household is probably in reference to slaves and servants who, who worked for them and, and so on. But then he goes on beyond that. It says this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. If you'd like, you can, well, let's not do it for, for time's sake, but in Job chapter 29, the Bible tells Job speaking and God speaking with Job, uh, Job talks about how uh, he was always fair and honest in all of his dealings with the community. He obviously lived in an area of what today is maybe a lot of desert land. At that time, there would have been cities there, and there was a, a culture, a civilization going on there. And the Bible says there that Job was respected in his community in Job chapter 29. He was fair in his dealings and respected by the men of the city and the land of Uz. He was respected by the government officials. Job, even though he was wealthy, went out of his way to help the poor and to care for the orphans and the widows. It's very clear there in chapter 29. He spent time with those who are at the end of life, those who were dying. He helped the sick and he brought justice to those who had no justice. So Job had his priorities in place. And then God's will was for him to suffer greatly. But those priorities being in place, and men, I'd say as I start out tonight, may we make sure, may we go home and and regularly assess our priorities. Is God first? Is our family up there right underneath God? Is our family of utmost importance in this realm of, of our priorities? And then our work, and then our standing in the community. Job, a different kind of man. I want to point out three things tonight. First, we're going to look at Job's character, Job's character, and we're going to look into several things that are mentioned here about him as a person, as a man. Job chapter 1 says he was perfect and upright. Three times 
in these early chapters of Job, the Bible says, and actually two of those three times, it's God speaking. And God says to Satan two of those occasions, Hast thou considered my, my servant Job a perfect and an upright man, a man of integrity? Job is a man of integrity. His piety is shown throughout his suffering. But it started here even before the suffering. He was a man who was known to be pious. That is kind of an old English word. Now it's kind of a slam on somebody. You say you're just being pious. That means you're being you know, extra spiritual somehow, as if that's possible, I guess. But, but Job was known for his piety. I think that's missing in a lot of our loose society today, by the way. I think we've lost a lot of uh, our piety that we should have and should teach to our children at home. So throughout the book of Job, we have remarkable evidences of Job's faith. Job says in chapter 1, verse 21, after he loses everything, he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, Job had great faith. He's a man of faith. He said in chapter 19, verse 25, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job said, no matter what problems I'm going through, God is going to return and he is going to take over again. Isn't that a, such a welcome thought in our society, in our world today, where everything's up in the air. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. You know, I've, you hear chatter about World War III. I don't know what that means exactly. But listen, people have been talking about wars and rumors of wars for a long time. But we know who's going to stand on the latter day on the earth our Redeemer, and He's going to, to take over this world again. And we have a comfort in that, and Job knew that. The Bible says, of course, then, that Job loses everything. Man, what an unbelievable series of events. Verses 14 through 19, I don't want to read it, but my goodness, just one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, Thankfully, Job has a steady foundation. His steady foundation is that he was perfect and upright before God. And as these things hit him, one after the next after the next, and then in verse 19 is the final blow of this series. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the earth. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. His sons were all killed. And, and his daughters in their houses. And here they're all gone. And look at Job's instant response. Job immediately says, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Verse 21, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that Job worshipped God. Verse 20, the end, he fell down upon the ground and worshipped. What's your instinct when a problem hits? I know what my instinct sometimes is, right? Is to get upset or to complain. My instinct is to do anything but look to God and say, God, it's yours. It's fine. You're still good. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and as a father, boy, I, I know I need, to, I need to change my approach in this area. What's my instinct? What's my first reaction to a problem? Job, of course, handles this with great grace. Job was also committed to God, no matter what others thought. In Job 13, 15, his friends are coming at him and giving him all these reasons why he's wrong. And he, Job finally says in chapter 13, verse 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job's trust was in the Lord. He's a man who spoke the truth about God. God said about Job in Job 42, 7, as he's rebuking Job's friends, God said, my wrath is kindled against thee and thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Job was a man who said the truth about God no matter what he went through. I'll I'll wait. I I have application that we'll get to. Job was also a leader. He did what he believed God wanted him to do in his family. There's no evidence that his more spiritual half, you know, Mrs. Job, which I I guess she wasn't that spiritual, and we see her asking him, look, why don't you just curse God and die? But he didn't ask her. When it came down to it, he was the leader. And I'm not saying it's wrong to ask your wife questions. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying ultimately, Job was the one who made the decision. And men, we have that responsibility. We're the leaders. Look, uh, the Christian school has rules. But above and beyond the Christian school rules, it's my home, it's my family. Ultimately, I'm the one who's responsible. And so if I want to hold a a higher line than that, that's my business, right? Men, it's our responsibility to decide these kinds of things. I remember very clearly, we had just gotten saved maybe in the first year after uh, my parents had gotten saved. And we had left the Amish. And we we didn't have, like you all do, English clothes. We had Amish clothes. If you're not Amish, you're English. You know, that's the way we thought. So... People would give us clothes. And my sisters, there was pressure on them to wear pants to school. And uh, we went to a a public school for uh, about two years or so there. There was pressure to fit in. And, And not only that, but people gave us other, even girls' dresses. And I remember uh, my sister coming out in this dress. I can still picture it. And my dad said, no, you're not wearing that. That's too short. That was my dad's rules. And she just turned right around and went back and changed. There was no question. My mom was going to support my dad. My dad made those decisions. Men, we are leaders. It's our home. I'm going to stand before God and answer to God for my home someday. Job, a different kind of dad, a different kind of man. So we see Job's character. He's a man of integrity. He feared God and eschewed evil. He shunned evil. We live in a society that wants to be all positive, and I'm I'm all for being positive, but sometimes there's things to shun. We should fear God and shun evil. 
So we speak out against it and we speak out against it in our homes. And not to tear down, but to build up. Before you can tear down, before you can build up, sorry, you have to clean out. You have to organize and prepare. And so we, we deal with things. We shun evil. Uh, I was telling my uh, kids here recently, uh, we have a wood stove in our house. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I grew up with a wood stove. And, uh, but wood stoves come with splinters. And so I thought I, I got a little splinter in my finger, and I went for about three, four days. I thought I'd gotten it out, and this thing kept on hurting and hurting, and finally I said, you know what? Enough's enough. I got to dig it out. And who likes to dig it out? Whew. Hate those things, you know? You got to get a pin. Before it can heal, it has to be cleaned out. And boy, I got in there and cleaned it all out. <sighs> there it was. Um, And now it can heal. Job was a man who feared God and eschewed evil, shunned evil. See his character. But secondly, we also see Job's concern. And this is really the meat of my message. Uh, Job chapter 1, verse 4, read there. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day. It looks like they were having a birthday party. At least that's what a lot of commentators think. It's their day. So the brothers and their sisters were all together and having a feast. Everyone on his day, that's at least what some people believe. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Isn't that something? Isn't that good? When brothers and sisters get along. When brothers and sisters can eat together in peace. Right? Uh, I had many brothers and sisters. Now, when you live with somebody, there's familiarity and all that kind of stuff. But once you get apart, you know, a little distance, uh, I understand that, believe me. But uh, me and Irvin, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not bad. But, uh, but there's, a, there's a, a blessing there when a family can sit together and eat together and not be like cats and dogs fighting at each other's throats all the time. They were eating together and enjoying one another's fellowship. So Job had been blessed with a wonderful family. His children had grown up, probably settled in their own homes, probably married, thriving financially. They're feasting. It's a sign that they had some, some wealth at least, and they feasted often in each other's homes. Job, it looks like he was blessed with a healthy family. There's no sickness. They're well. They're enjoying time together. There's no sorrow. He witnessed his children living in love and unity. They expressed affection one to another. They invited each other over. Do you ever have to ask somebody to leave? Well, that's kind of awkward, right? My dad, he he has this little saying. The best Christmas lights are tail lights. So he knows. Happy to see you come. Happier to see you go. (laughs) But they were blessed. They invited their sisters to come. The children joined in their own private houses. By the way, look where they joined together to celebrate and to feast. They didn't go out to eat somewhere in the city of Uz. 
Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to go out to eat. I'm not that Amish. (laughs) But I am saying, I believe when a bunch of people get together, Christians, believers, and fellowship, and they're in harmony with one another, there's nothing more beautiful than that. And especially when it's family, and especially when it's husband and wife type and family, that... But, but that, that kind of get-together, they didn't go out where there might be temptations, where there might be uh, uh, wrong influences. They go into a house, and they enjoy one another's fellowship there. Job was aware of his children's activities. Notice what he's uh, saying in verse number 5. It was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, and, and I can see this, he's thinking this within himself. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. It may be. He was aware of what they were doing. He said it might be not just what they're doing with their hands or where they're going or what they're... It may be that in their hearts they've been feasting and now they're saying, we don't really need God or we don't really need to, to trust in God. We, we have everything we need. He was afraid that they would live apart from God. The Bible says in Proverbs 30 verse 9, Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? See, Job was afraid that his sons and daughters would would reject God because they had everything they needed. He was aware of his children's activities and what would be going through their minds and aware of what they'd be thinking about. Job was concerned about his children and what they're thinking about. And whether they cursed God, here it is, in their hearts. Listen, we focus so much on the outside, don't we? And and it's not wrong. This is not saying that we shouldn't see things on the outside. But we should go beyond what we see on the outside and see if they're in their heart are conforming to God's word. Listen, when I tell my son or daughter to do something, they may obey me, but if they have a wrong attitude then they're still not getting the benefit of that. Then they're still disobeying in a sense. And so I want to deal with their heart. And Job, I believe, is dealing with their heart. He was interested in what they're doing in their heart. He was sincerely interested in his children's activities. Think about that. He's interested in what they're doing at their house getting together, enjoying a feast, a birthday party, if you will. He said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God. Parents, we must actively guard our children against the wrong things. We must actively be involved and interested. And if this is true, I think it is, that these are all grown children, you that are empty nesters, you still have a responsibility to pray for your children and to pray for your grandchildren. So there's always this 
need that, that your family is going to have regularly, daily, ask your children about their day. Be involved in your children. What do they do at school? What do they talk about with their friends? What do our children talk about and hear about at school? What do they talk about when they go on sports activities? What do they talk about when they go to another child's birthday party? Now, I believe, I really believe that our children notice and that they see if we're involved in those kinds of things, they'll say, oh, dad's interested in me. Dad's involved in my life. What are our children doing at recess time? What do they do on game day? Our high school basketball team. What do they do on game day or soccer game day? What do our children do on ski trips? You ever ever thought to ask somebody? Man, we should be involved in what they're doing, their activities. What are they doing in class periods? I've had teachers say, you know, some of the kids are talking a lot in class and sneaking around. That's something we got to find. We got to address that as parents and see these things. What do they listen to on their earbuds? And on and on and on. It's it's not to be a Nazi police force coming down. It's not about that. It's to protect them and to be involved in their life, to be aware of what is happening in their lives. To spend time in the evenings asking questions about what they did and being involved in their lives. Is that a waste of time? Or is it a good investment into our children, dads, men? What are you doing in life that's more important than this kind of investment in your family? Is there anything that's a better investment? Obviously not. Job was concerned about his family. He was also concerned even more. I thought this is pretty interesting. From I see it in scripture. He was even more concerned about them, his family, giving God honor and glory. He wanted to make sure that his family was right with God, not just looked right, not just was, you know, meeting his rules or his standard of what he expected. He wanted his family to be acceptable to God. He was a man, perfect, upright, the Bible says, one who feared God and eschewed evil. He'd received these children from God and had the calling to raise these children in holiness. As he stood before God with that weighty responsibility, Job was concerned about the spiritual welfare of his children. Were they reverencing God? Were they giving God, the one who had given them all their wealth, were they giving him the honor due to him? Job knew that nothing alienated the mind more from God than indulgences of the flesh. He says, look, if they're feasting, they might forget God. They might think they don't need God. And man, they need God. And he wanted his children to be close to God. And he was praying for them about this. There's a carefulness in the heart of a Christian who is close to the Lord. A carefulness. Think about this. I really sense in society in general, and I think many of you, most of you would agree with this, that there's a very casual nature 
to Christianity in general and very casual. I mean, you think about uh, old pictures of people going to baseball games and they're all dressed up in their suits and top hats. And I'm not saying I want to go back to that. But I am saying we don't see anything like that. Everything has become casual. And recently I, I saw someone was arguing on social media about why it's ridiculous that any church would expect their people to dress up for church. That is between them and God. And, and I thought about that. Actually, that's right. Because that shows that their heart isn't close to God. If they wanted to, to honor God, they would honor Him with their clothing, their dress. When we come to church, it's not casual. We're asking God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? We, we come here, we should come here, with uh, a, uh, a vision for what we can get, a desire in our heart to get some teaching and training. So this casual nature... Job wasn't like that, was he? He said, we got to make sure we're careful. And every one of his children, he'd meet with them. And he's, uh, he's having a uh, burnt sacrifice with them. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But he was intent on each one of his children. He was careful about this. Job's concern for the spiritual welfare of his children went to the root of the matter, which is the heart. Not just the outward actions, but the heart itself. And he was concerned about what they were doing in their heart. Number three, and this is really the answer then, what Job does, and I think what we as parents, dads especially... Uh, can do in, with our children, and that is he consecrated, Job's consecration. The Bible says in verse number five that Job, after the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them. And, and I was, what does that mean? What does it mean that he sanctified them? I don't believe in any way that this means he just prayed for them. It doesn't say that he tried to sanctify them. You say, well, every person has to make their own choice. Yes, they do. But Job said, I'm going to sanctify them. I'm going to set them apart unto the Lord. So what does that mean? And, and as I study this, I really believe this is, he came to the point where he said, I'm going to individually sanctify them. I'm going to meet with one at a time and sanctify them. The word sanctify there means to set apart. And then it says he got up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. So he's getting them up and he's offering a burnt offering. Now what does that involve? He's taking a lamb cutting its throat and showing each of these children this is what sin costs. He's making a burnt offering with his children. There are different kinds of offerings in the Old Testament. Sin offerings are made for specific sins. David made a specific sin offering when he committed sin with Bathsheba. 
Burnt offerings are general offerings for being a sinner. I'm a sinner. God, there's my day of atonement type offering where I'm coming for the, for the nature of sin that I have. I'm atoning for that. Job here, I believe, is making a burnt offering, a general offering for sin. But he wanted his children to see what sin really costs. Even though they seem to be walking in godliness, they're in unity, they're they're getting along, they're doing the right things, but maybe in their heart there's a problem. And so he said, we're going to meet together and have a time of consecration For each one of his children. How do we consecrate our children? I'm not telling you anything new. We bring them first to the cross. We get them to the point of salvation. To the point where they have to choose. Bring them to the cross. Uh, It's not about a prayer, is it? A cute little prayer didn't save anyone. What saves a person is coming to the place where they realize what their sin does. And the the severity of their sin. And when they realize that the the cross is what takes care of their sin. Bring them to the cross. And I believe Job did that. We bring our children to place of consecration when we bring them to church. There's just something special about being in church. I I remember as a little kid when we started going to a Baptist church for the first time. There was about 75 people in church. And what a blessing To be in church. I remember thinking, you know, if Saddam Hussein ever gets this back in the early 90s. If he gets enough power and he runs over the world. If the United States crumbles, I want to be in church. Church is a special place. I love church. I love being together with other believers. There's something special. It's the preaching. Preaching of the cross, right? It's to them that perish foolishness. The preaching has an effect at church. The, the fellowship with one another is always a challenge. I walk around before and after church and I see people who are also serving the Lord. And they're not complaining about it. They're not unhappy. The more they serve the Lord, the happier they get. And I say, wow, boy, that's encouraging. And I, and I watch uh, uh, some of the kids come in on our buses And some of them have a bad attitude. And I watch Mr. Wright and others handling these kids. And I say, man, I'll never get there. (laughs) I say, I got a lot to learn. Uh, But I want to. I want to continue to to learn and how to talk to these kids and encourage them and help them. But you know what? That's the fellowship of being at church. And our kids, our children need to see that and be involved in that and experience that. If your children aren't serving and a part of becoming a real part, you're not helping your children in this area. You're helping them by getting them involved and becoming a part of the Sunday school class and the church and saying hi to adults and walking around and meeting adults and people. That's how fellowship is done. Right? Not not always hanging out with their own age, their own peers, but going and talking to adults. Man, so important. 
bringing your children to church and being involved in the church. And notice that Job does all of this with urgency. He arose early in the morning. Verse 5 says, He arose early in the morning and offered burnt offerings. We pray for our children daily, of course, like I'm sure most of you do, that they'll be saved, that they'll stop uh, following after the world and so on. And those are all important things. Teach your children and we, me as well to, to fear and reverence God. The idea of fear, it does not mean to just run away from or to be afraid of, like I'm afraid of a rabid dog. It's not talking about that kind of fear. It's talking about a reverent fear. When, when I carry my Bible, how do I carry my Bible? With respect and so on. It's the reverence. And it's true in our families. We're Christians first. We're not Shrocks first, and whatever your last name is, we're Christians first. And, and we ought to uphold that name with reverence and fear. There's an urgency there. A desire to please God. There's... That, I, I try to remind my kids often as they're heading out to school in the morning. We're Christians first. We follow God. It doesn't matter what anybody else does today. We're Christians first. God gets our first attention. And boy, we, we need that. I need that so bad. How, how much do you pray for your children? Better yet, how often do you pray with your children? Pray with them. Being directly involved on a regular basis with their needs and being aware of what they need. Job wanted to regularly show his children what it meant to walk with God. He's in the same line as uh, in Ezekiel 14 as Noah who walked with God. He's a perfect and an upright man. We see God directly interested in the life of Job. Why? Because Job was a man who walked with God. He obviously wanted to pass that along to his children. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19. Suffer ye the little children to come unto me. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Susanna Wesley, that last song we sang tonight, by the way. Oh, what a wonderful song. Charles Wesley wrote it. Susanna Wesley was one of the most... Terrific mothers of all time. Her father, Susanna's father, was a preacher and she was born in England in 1669 as the youngest of 25 children. She got married at the age of 19 to Samuel Wesley, who was also a preacher. And uh, I guess not to be outdone, she had 19 children herself. Well, she didn't get to 25. Her husband was often gone for church meetings and revivals, so the responsibility of teaching and training the children, unfortunately, fell a lot to her. And she wanted to do big things for God. And she did so by humbly raising children to serve the Lord. With this many children, Susanna devised a way, history says, she devised a way to spend time with each one of her children. She spent an hour a day, they say, 
praying for her 19 children. And then in addition to that, she took each child aside for a full hour every week to discuss spiritual matters. Perfect, upright, fearing God, eschewing evil. There's a lot of fun things we can do with our family, dads. A lot of exciting things, lots of activities. I'm as guilty as the rest of you. But there needs to be more of this type of investment put into our children. Regular prayer time and then regular discussion time. Spiritual discussion. Parents, it's important to impress upon our children the duty that they have to God. To see our children saved is more important than anything in the whole world. To see them live for God is more important than any fancy job you can have, any money that you can make, any cars that you can drive, any house that you can live in. To see them live for God is the best thing you can have. Praying for that. Seeing them have their own relationship with God. Their own relationship. I don't know if this exactly qualifies, but I remember many years, a number of years ago, not many, but a number of years ago, in my office, I have a closet, and in my closet, I have bus candy. And so I have kids that go in there sometimes into my office, my kids. And one of them went in there, and I, I had gone in there after them, and I saw an, a candy wrapper. And candy wrappers tell a story. And it didn't happen by itself or by accident. And so I figured out real quickly who it was. And I got him in there. And there, we're just sitting there. You know, I said, um, did you? Did you? And, and I just remember very distinctly, you know, you get the look. How did he find that? I don't know what they're thinking in their head, but I can guess pretty closely, you know. And, and I remember just, if, you know, I don't know. I personally, I don't like to just totally, what I said before you answer. Is the devil right now telling you, say no? And she went. That's the devil. That's the devil. He's trying to get you to lie. He wants you to think you're going to get away with it. But God doesn't want you to do that, does he? Did you, now, did you take it? <laughs> but it's a personal relationship with God that I want my children to have. In order for that to happen, I have to lead the way. I have to take them to that place of sacrifice. I have to take them to that place where they see their sin. I have to take them to that place where they see the cross for themselves. I have to take them to that place where they see answers to prayer. Dads, that's us. Job, a different kind of man, a different kind of dad. And that, let me close with this last phrase in verse number five. Thus did Job continually on and on, day after day, Birthday after birthday, feast after feast, Job was faithful in doing these things. And God richly blessed him, I believe, for that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 
as I was studying for this, I kept thinking, I'm going to have a hard time not saying Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because it's so obvious. That's what this is talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll read the shorter version of that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 and 19. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That's Job. Everywhere he went, I can see it. He's talking to his family. And when his family grew up and they're, they're enjoying each other's company, he was still concerned about his family. There was always a, an awareness of what his family was doing. Unlike Moses, <clears throat> Job didn't seek excuses to not serve God. Job served God. Look that up. Job served, Job served God. There's many references to that in the book of Job. Unlike Jonah, Job did not run from God when he came into trouble. Unlike Jacob, Job didn't wrestle with God. Unlike Sarah, Job didn't doubt God. He believed all things are possible. Unlike Lot, Job didn't hesitate to follow God. Job didn't get distracted by the world. And by the things that the world said, you got to do this. You, you imagine, you know, the, the clothing styles of Job's day in the land of Uz. I don't know what they were like, but I bet you Job avoided them. He was careful. He didn't follow the world. Unlike Thomas, Job didn't doubt God. Unlike Judas, Job didn't betray God. Unlike Peter, Job didn't turn his back on his Savior and deny him. And unlike many of us, and myself included, Job admitted his wrongdoings and repented before God. Repented of what? Job was an honest and a godly man. He still saw his own need. In Job 42, verses 5 and 6, he says, I have heard of thee, Job says to God, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. When he saw God for who he was, he said, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I think he just said, I know I'm nothing. And may we as dads be willing to admit where we're wrong and say where we've, we've led our family in a wrong direction. And may we take responsibility for that and say, Look, from now on, this is going to change. Our direction is going to change. It doesn't matter what my personality was or, you know, I was afraid to say something. There's a time to speak up. May we repent and say, look, I want, I want to take my family the right direction. I want to take my life the right direction. Dads, will you be like Job? Everyone else, may the Lord bless his word. And apply it to our hearts to challenge us through this example of Job's character, his concern, and his consecration. Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed.